Join me in another moment of prayer. And Chris, are we okay on this mic? All right. Father, we thank you for this Sunday morning. We thank you that even though we've been receiving a lot of snow, and that can at times feel like uh, a difficulty, an inconvenience, or just a, a challenge to be able to navigate, Father, we're grateful for the moisture. We need it. And uh, we're grateful that sometimes there's a good juxtaposition between challenge, but yet what we need. And I pray that the sermon would also do that for us today, that it would challenge us in healthy ways, but that we would see that in its challenge, we are given what we need. I pray, Father, for every single heart in this room today, whether on the stream or in person, Lord, that you would capture our hearts in this moment that we would truly be transformed by the reading of your word and the truths that are in it. Father, I thank you because I know that that is something that I not only preach but need for myself. So I pray, Lord, for every hungry person in this room, Lord, that you would truly feed each of us in the ways that only you can feed. Father, I thank you for the nourishment that you provide, and I pray a blessing on this sermon as I attempt to deliver it. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week on Wednesday, um, I had written an email to the church. And if you're subscribed to the church news, you probably received that email. And in it, I had sent an encouraging note, or at least what I tried to write as an encouraging note to all of you, to be here on Sunday if you, if you could. And I'm really grateful to see the faces that are in this room and trust that the people on, uh, on the stream are also here for some of those reasons. Now, in my heart, as I was developing the sermon this week, I felt a strong sense that you guys, and myself included, needed to hear the message that I was going to deliver today. Now, I'll be honest with you, the message that I've written isn't technically amazing. Uh, you might say, what do you mean by that? It's not a message that I've written in a way that feels like, wow, I'm going to uncover uncharted territory that's never been explored before. I'm going to say something that's just going to wow everybody. And everyone's going to say, what a great pastor, Pastor Kevin is. It really has nothing to do with that but everything to do with the Spirit of the Lord and what I believe God wants to bring and challenge and awaken and bring to mind in our hearts. That's all that I felt, at least while I was praying and thinking through this message. So I want you to be able to hear it with a perspective that God wants to speak to you today that I believe that God wants to nourish and feed every single person in this room today. Now, as excited as I was on Wednesday to preach this message to you guys today, all of that evaporated over the weekend for me, and especially this morning. I'll admit, I woke up today dealing with a dark cloud over my life. The best that I can describe it is I just woke up feeling depressed, where I had that feeling of, Lord, could you just take me now, and we just finish this stuff? And even though I didn't want to act on those feelings, it was the feelings that I was dealing with nonetheless. 
And as I got out of bed, realizing that my whole entire family was sick and that it was probably going to be best for my wife and children to stay home, this dark cloud continued to hover over my life. But being the good foot soldier I'm trying to be, I decided to march to church anyway, so I got my cup of coffee and I poured it into the mug, and then literally the mug tips over and falls all over me, and now as I'm trying to get out of the door, I'm wearing coffee all over my shirt, all over my pants, my shoes, and I literally just stomp my foot and say, really? Of course, I go and I change my outfit And then I head out the door again, only to be dealing with all of the snow on my driveway. My car is spinning tires. I'm trying to get out of the driveway. I finally make it out of the neighborhood to be dealt another wonderful surprise, that beautiful little light on the car called check engine (laughs) comes on. And I'm just wondering how many things can go wrong in a single morning. But then I thought about it, and through my wife's wisdom as she was calling me on the phone, realizing that I was pretty frustrated myself, that probably the last place I wanted to be was actually here, she reminded me that, didn't you feel in your heart that God had something to say to us this Sunday? Yes. (laughs) Well, chances are, then maybe the enemy's just trying to attack you. Maybe the enemy is just trying to discourage you first so that you can't encourage others. I think that often happens in our lives, right? Just as we're kind of going over the wave or the hill of life and we're right on the pericope of something amazing happening, what does the enemy like to do? He likes to attack us. He likes to discourage us. He likes to sow seeds of doubt that prevent us from entering into the promised land, so to speak. Well, for today's message, I think there is something here for everyone. And for that reason, I want us to take, take, place, uh, take special attention to the words that I'm going to speak today. So as you know, we've been in a series called The Lord's Prayer, and I invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue to read through the Lord's Prayer. So for this third week of the series... We've brought ourselves now to verse 11, but for the sake of this message, I'd like to read verses 9 through 11. So you just read quietly as I read aloud. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now say this part with me, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. I'll say that once more. Give us today our daily bread. Now, of all of the portions of the Lord's Prayer, this is the shortest 
portion of them all. We just read a few portions before that, as I had mentioned over the last two weeks, where we specifically looked at the introduction to this prayer, the importance of us being able to see God as our Father, but also God as our Daddy, that He is king of all, father of all, but he is also our spiritual daddy. And then last week we looked at specifically the kingdom of God and how God wants us to bring about this kingdom here on earth. That each and every single one of us has a role to play in being able to spread the goodness of the gospel to others. And we talked about how oftentimes, even within the church, sadly, we do little to build that kingdom. Well, this week we're looking at this important part of the scriptures where it says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I want to ask you, this isn't a high and mighty theological question, but I want to ask you this, what do you think bread represents what do you think bread represents food (laughs) it represents the things that we need in fact the greek word for bread here means bread a loaf it means something as literal as the food that we have but you see what i think jesus is trying to do here is he's actually trying to form in us an image of what god ought to do in our lives I think the Lord's Prayer found in Luke really highlights this point because unlike the Matthew version, the Luke version says, give us each day our daily bread. And I think what Jesus is trying to do between both of these portions of the Lord's Prayer is he's trying to show us God's role in our life, in our need for him. In fact, I think what Jesus is really doing here is he's pointing back to what? The book of Exodus, specifically within the Old Testament. If you didn't know, after God freed the Hebrew people out of the land of Egypt, he was going to bring them into a promised land. But because of the sins of the people, God in some ways allowed for time to go on in order to deal with those sins. So they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and it was during that time that many people would oftentimes grumble over their situation in life. They would look back to their slavery in Egypt with rose-colored glasses and think that was somehow better than what God was leading them to. Don't we sometimes struggle with that where we look wrongly into the past with nostalgic eyes and fail to see what God is actually trying to lead us to in the here and now? Well, what's amazing about this is that the people complained after seeing all the miracles of God, after being liberated by God himself, they complained about the kinds of food that they were getting. So God, in his grace, responded to the Israelites and told them that I will provide for you, that I'm going to give you manna from heaven. 
and that each day you will have enough to eat. Now, when I was a kid, I was, in fact, just talking to Jessica about an exciting vacation that she's going to be taking in a few months here. She's going on a cruise. And I remember when I was a kid, my first time I was going on a cruise, I think I was around 10 years old. And I was so excited for this trip. Any any one of you uh, in the congregation have been on a cruise before? Yeah. It's awesome, right? Right? You can't help but get a little chubbier while you're, while, while you're on the cruise ship. It's amazing. If you've never been on a cruise, I highly recommend it. Well, I remember when I first went on my first cruise ship in Florida, we were traveling to all these different wonderful islands in the Caribbean, and I specifically remember my parents got my sister and I our own little cabin. So we were heading to our cabin And as we entered into this little tiny cabin room, we were so excited, my sister and I, and on top of the bed of the cabin, there was a white card. And we looked at the card, and we found out that my sister and I could order room service, and it was all-inclusive, and that we can order room service at pretty much any time of the day, and someone would come and deliver the food to our door. Now, being a kid that grew up in the 90s, I had seen Home Alone, and I had seen Kevin McAllister order room service in his New York penthouse uh, rented hotel, and I thought, man, I've made it. I've made, this is the height of luxury. And if it couldn't get any better than that, the card also had a section where you could literally check off everything that you wanted, including the time that you wanted breakfast to be delivered right in front of your doorway. So I wanted to see if this stuff worked. So I checked off almost every single thing on that card, and I put it right in front of my door, and I waited the next morning, and like a kid coming to Christmas, I remember opening that door and seeing before me all of the food way more than I could eat. And I ran back to my sister and I said, it's there, all the food's there, can you believe this? And we were just so excited over this. I mean, it felt like the height of luxury to be able to be experiencing that. But what's interesting as I think about this and I think about the scriptures that we're in, we so often want God to operate like a cruise ship attendant, don't we not? We want God to be able to deliver to us in a very special and particular way. You see, when God promised the Israelites that he would provide food for them, he could have, if he wanted, been like that cruise ship attendant, could have he not? He could have made a bowl or had the people put a bowl in front of their tents and filled that bowl with every single particular item that each person would have liked to have had. But what did he do instead? He had the people go out and collect the manna. And then from that point on, they would have to take the manna and make it into something that would nourish them. If they collected too much manna, what would happen? It would go bad and the food would become wormy. They had to take just enough for that single day. 
And when the Sabbath would come, the day before that Sabbath, God would give them a double portion that would last them that day and the day of the Sabbath. You see, God was always good to his people in providing exactly what they needed to be able to live their lives. But just like Israel in its ancient history, in our lives today, we want God to be like the cruise ship attendant, right? We want God to be able to give us exactly what we want. We want to check mark those boxes off and have it waiting and ready for us in our doorsteps. That's not how God operates. And I'll say this probably to add to that, and it's not healthy. It might be uh, okay on a seven-day cruise, but as many of you know, what ends up happening? You just start to get a little bit more plump and plump and plump, and God is not in the business of making lazy Christians. He's in the business of being able to bring health into our lives and to provide for us in ways that minister and meet the very needs that we have. Amen? So when Jesus is praying, give us each day our daily bread, or when he's saying, give us today our daily bread, he's calling out to God to do what? To provide what we need. You see, so often we want our faith to be a very comfortable faith. We want it to be a faith that doesn't always challenge us. But so often it's in the challenge that the lessons are learned. It's in the obstacles that the wisdom is gained. I like this quote from Francis Chan um, in his book, Crazy Love, he writes this. God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in trouble if he doesn't come through. Have you ever lived for God in that kind of way? And I'm saying not where you're just blindly reckless with your life, but you're trying to challenge yourself, challenge your situations, challenge the world around you in a way where if you say, well, God, if you don't show up, it won't work. You need to show up. I feel that way as a pastor oftentimes, right? The truth is, is that if you think about it, the world is heading in, a, in its own direction that is apart from God. But yet as Christians, we're called to do what? Be countercultural to the world. We're called to be able to speak truth to power, to speak light and darkness. And these are things that are very difficult to do because as the world continues to separate itself and continues to reshape and change what it considers to be morally good, this becomes a harder and harder task, does it not? 
Because the difference between what it means to be a true follower of Jesus and what it means to live in the world start to separate more and more and more as society unhinges itself from good moral teaching and truth. Give us this day our daily bread. We need to be able to see God as our provider, but we can't see him as our cruise ship attendant. You know, if you didn't know, before Jesus began his ministry, after he was baptized by John, Scripture tells us that Jesus goes off into the wilderness. And it's in that time that he does what? He fasts and he prays to God. And so we know that Jesus is abstaining from food in, in doing that, trying to get closer to God. And in some ways, I think this mirrors Israel's journey through the wilderness as well. And as Jesus is abstaining from food and devoting, and devoting himself to God, Satan, the devil, comes to him to tempt him. And in Luke 4, 3, it says that the devil says this, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And as Leonard read in our scripture reading, in Matthew 4, 4, this is Jesus' reply to Satan or to the devil. He says this, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Let's say this last part with me. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Church, I have an important question for you. And that question is, is how are you being fed how are you being fed there's a reason why in scripture we repeatedly whether in the old testament or the new testament see people fasting now it's a modern day trend to kind of reshape fasting into just abstaining from something that you enjoy. So I've seen some people promote fasting in a way where they say, well, why don't you just take TV out of your life or take sugar out of your life or alcohol or coffee. And in some ways that's good. There's nothing wrong with being able to kind of put pause on something that you normally do and experience life without that. And I've done that at times in my life where I've said, you know what, I'm just for, for a season, I'm just going to take media out of my life for a whole month. I'm just not going to go on the computer unless I need to actually do work and I'm going to stay away from TV and just see how that feels. And those times can refresh me and refresh those of you who've done things like that. But fasting, at least within scripture, has almost always been associated to abstaining from food. And I think there is a spiritual lesson in the abstention of food. You see, what is that spiritual lesson? Well, I think that lesson comes from the fact that we need food to survive, right? I mean, I could take TV out of my life and guess what? I'll be okay. And I know for some of you younger kids in the congregation, that is scary to hear, Grayson. But trust me, I know you can live without television. 
but you take food and water out of your life, that's a different story. And I need to confess to you, church, I probably did a better job fasting in my earlier years as a Christian than I have even in the last three years or five years as a Christian. Where now, maybe I fast a couple times a year, and even sometimes those fasts are kind of, I don't know, a little too easy. And I remember when I was a younger man, I, I would fast for three days without food and I'd only drink water. Boy, that's a challenge. And maybe some of you have done more difficult fasts than that. And there is a spiritual impact that is offered in those kinds of situations. You see, fasting is meant to make God the replacement for typical life-sustaining needs. While you can permanently remove alcohol, permanently remove TV, or even, God forbid, coffee from your life and still be okay, you can't permanently remove food from your life or water from your life and be okay. Fasting, food, bread are all symbols of what it takes to live. Are you seeing the points I'm trying to make here? So when Jesus is saying, give us this day our daily bread, what is he saying? Lord, feed us. Because without your bread, what's going to happen? We're going to die. And that death might not be a physical death. That death will be, however, what? A spiritual death. We need God's bread in our life. We need God to be able to feed us and show up in ways that only he could provide. Amen? You know, the other thing that I think is powerful about fasting is as it actually trains us and teaches us how to break habitual sins in our lives. I know the question that you're now asking Pastor, is it okay to fast from my job or my kids? (laughs) No. (laughs) But think about it. If you've ever fasted before, and maybe if you haven't actually fasted before, I want to explain this to you right now. You get hungry pretty quick because your body is used to what? The rhythms that you maintain. So naturally, you'll start to feel your tummy start to gargle at 7 o'clock in the morning when you have breakfast or that cup of coffee. Or you'll start to feel your tummy start to gargle at lunchtime because your body is used to those rhythms. But so often when I fast and I actually remove food out of my life, what ends up happening is, is that I have all of those feelings of boy that looks really good and I want to eat it. You have a sandwich? Is there mayo and mustard in it? Does it have a nice piece of cheddar cheese? And your mind goes to, oh boy, wouldn't it be great to eat that food right now? And it's amazing how good food looks when you're actually not trying to eat it, right? 
But eventually what happens is, is as you continue to say, no, 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 I've made this commitment, I'm fasting towards the Lord, I'm devoting this time towards him, I'm replacing the time that I would spend eating with devoting that time to the Lord feeding me, what ends up happening is you'll notice that you stop becoming as hungry. I'm not saying that the hunger doesn't go that the hunger goes away completely. It might for a moment, but the 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 temptation for it starts to lessen. And you start to realize through this act of fasting that if you can say no to a natural desire, then you could say no to what? A sinful desire sinful habits because sin is often the same thing in, at times as eating right we form a habit and then when we feel that habit that has been formed starting to tell us hey it's time for you to do this sin well you learn through the act of fasting on how to resist that so when jesus was tempted by the devil he was living that out and he was reminding the devil that he does not eat with just what? Food and bread, but that he lives and nourishes his life through the word of God. Now, I want to make another point here. Scripture shows us that God continuously refers to himself as living bread and living water. And make no mistake, there is a reason for that. After the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus tells his disciples what? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. When the disciples questioned Jesus on where he's going, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When people were starting to look at Jesus, he said this, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. And then, of course, with the famed story of the woman on the well, when Jesus was visiting in the town of Samaria, there was a woman who would collect water at noon or at midday, which meant that this woman, this woman lived with a lot of shame in, their li in her life because typically the women would collect water from the well in the morning when it was cooler as to not get beat up by the sun. And it was oftentimes a social gathering for the ladies to be able to enjoy that work together. Well, this woman trying to hide her shame from the world around her would go during the time of day that nobody was there to collect and draw from her water. And it was during this encounter that she meets Jesus. And as Jesus is there, the woman is drawing from the bucket, and Jesus tells this woman that I have water. 
surprised by that conversation, Jesus continues and lets her know that everyone who drinks this water, speaking of himself, will be, or pardon me, speaking of the well there, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The reason in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus wants us to pray that to God to give us our daily bread is as simple as this, that Jesus is essential for life. Say that with me. Jesus is essential for life. Church, there is a lot of things that this world would make you try to believe. That you need. Oh man, wouldn't be life be better if you bought this new vehicle or if you got this new thing or if you got this new clothing apparel or whatever it might be. If you had this wonderful vacation, life would be awesome. But that is not the essentials of life. The essentials of life come from who? God our creator, Jesus. He is what is essential for life. And here is in part the conviction and the encouragement that I want to place on you. And that is, what are you feeding on in life? What are you feeding on when you're on your phone and nobody's around and you see something that you know doesn't edify the spirit. What are you feeding on when the radio's on? What are you feeding on with the books that you're reading, the TV shows that you're watching, the conversations that you're entertaining, the drinks that you're having? What are you feeding on with the relationships that you entertain? I hate that this is true, but as I get older, it just be, it continues to be more and more and more and more true, and that is, is that suffering is oftentimes a mechanism that God allows to get our attention, to reorient what actually matters in life. I think our church is experiencing that in some ways through the pains that we have seen in the lives of others that are struggling. That it naturally causes us to reorient and refocus on what is actually essential. And then it's like we're surprised that when we're focusing all on Jesus, that the Spirit of God just becomes heavy in the room, or heavy in our lives, or heavy in our situation, in a positive and each time I go through suffering and I draw myself closer to God, I, at the end of it I say, oh boy, I just need to do this more often. And then what ends up happening? I start getting distracted with the same old, same old. Start, I start feeding on all the wrong things. But if I'm going to take God's word seriously, then I need to realize that God is 
my life. That Jesus is essential for life. And that those feelings of hope or hopelessness, those feelings of despair, those dark clouds that all of us go through at different times, that those are temporary afflictions. That those are not lasting afflictions. Why? Because Jesus promises us. He tells us repeatedly that the water he has, that the bread of God that is given to us, is an everlasting spring of life. Which means that I might go through situations of feeling hopeless. I might go through situations of feeling despair or depressed or whatever it might be. But as long as I continue to consume daily the bread of life, God himself in my life, as long as I consume daily Jesus, his word through prayer, through reading, through the church, through fellowship, through allowing God's presence to be invited and welcomed in my life, then I can overcome. Amen? And so can you. I don't believe that any one of us needs to live a life of hopeless despair. Again, we might go through situations that cause us to feel that way. I went through that this morning. But I don't need to live in that. That's not my identity. And I could push past that through the help of God. You see, he gives us food to eat. But just like the Israelites needed to go out and collect that food and then consume that food, so do we. So do we need to go out and collect that food and consume that food. But that also means, just as you know, we need to say no to certain foods to make room for the right ones, right? And I know, because I see it in my own life, that all of us need to be reminded of what we are feeding on. Because I know I don't always feed on what I need. And if I'm struggling with that at times, I know each and every single one of you is struggling with that at times. Church, can, you, can we all just make the commitment right now that we are going to stop consuming the things that don't lead to God, that cause us, if anything, to walk further away, that we know our spiritual junk food, and that we are going to cut that out of our life. Just as we know that there are probably certain foods that we shouldn't eat because they're junk food, we're going to cut the spiritual junk food out of our life. And we're going to eat what? The good bread that God has for us. Amen? 
I want you as a way of application this week to daily pray the Lord's Prayer. Because remember, the Lord's Prayer is a prayer that could be repeated, but it's also a prayer that shapes our minds. So you could, pray the, you could pray the prayer just as it is, or you could try to even reshape the prayer into your own words, and that would also be okay. But pray the prayer every single day this week. Then I want to challenge you to do something, which I know is not going to be easy for some of you. I want you to take time to fast this week. I'm not going to put what that looks like. I think I made the point that fasting most seen in scripture is food. But I understand that some of you might have a medical condition that prohibits you from doing that, and you ought to follow the advice of your doctors. But for those of you that can skip a meal or a few meals, I encourage you to do that. Now, don't just skip those meals and, you know, just skip the meal. You replace that time that you were going to eat with what? God. And feed on Him as a replacement of the physical food that you would be having. If you can't fast because of a medical reason, and please don't use this as an excuse. (laughs) Don't let the medical reason be, I'm hungry. (laughs) Then I'd encourage you to take something out of your life that is maybe more of an entertainment to you. And replace that with, again digging into the Lord and feeding on Him. That is my challenge for you this week. And I believe that by doing that challenge, some of you are going to find breakthrough. Jesus, in fact, at one point when He was exercising a demon, said that certain demons, certain breakthroughs only happen through prayer and fasting. So I believe that, uh, that some of you are going to find breakthrough. I believe that some of you are going to experience breakthrough. But it's only if we take the time to feed on God. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer.